Earlier this week, I caught this one piece of video. And when I saw it, I thought, this just sums up everything that's happening at the Virginia State Capitol right now. Senator Lucas, may we look forward to hearing from you later today. Reporters are chasing a state senator down a hallway. They're lobbing questions at her. Who's next in line? This is a member of Virginia's Black Caucus, an older woman in an emerald green suit. Her shoulders are hunched. She looks defeated. She tries to tell the reporters she can't talk. But the whole mob keeps following her out the door through a parking lot. Do you think Virginia can heal past this moment? And then she just stops, leans on a car, puts her head in her hands, as if everything that's going on is just too hard to bear. In Virginia, the governor, the attorney general, and the Senate majority leader, they're all embroiled in scandals over racist costumes that they either wore or condoned. The lieutenant governor is accused of sexual assault. This list is growing so fast that by the time you hear this, it may be out of date. It's sort of chaos. I mean, I think all of us who are covering this have had a little bit of whiplash. Anna North has been following all this for Vox. So I cover gender issues, which is pretty broad. I wanted to talk to Anna because she's been reporting about Virginia politics since this story began. When it wasn't yet a controversy about race or sexual assault, it was a controversy about abortion. You know, I do reproductive rights, so that's kind of how I got on the, the Virginia abortion controversy in the first place. All over the country, state legislatures are teeing up abortion bills. Democrats are trying to expand access after years of watching Republicans restrict it. Virginia was doing that, too, with a bill called HB 2491. It stood a chance, but it also made the governor, Ralph Northam, into a target in a culture war that is getting increasingly nasty. That racist photo tied to the governor? It was released by a conservative website that had been fighting Virginia's abortion bill from the beginning. On the ground, there's always been, you know, like real, real battle. But I think what we're seeing now is that's going to take place more with people like the governor. I think that if other lawmakers take something from this, they should take that they need to really have their facts straight and be up on this legislation, whatever their view of it is, because it's not going away. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Today, Virginia has become this Bermuda Triangle of third rail American politics. We're going to talk about the fuel for this week's controversy, the kind of abortion legislation more and more states are going to be taking up in the coming months. Is Virginia just a preview of what's to come? Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. To explain what happened in Virginia, we have to go back and explain this abortion bill. The bill does a number of things. It sort of loosens a number of restrictions around abortion in Virginia, and there are a lot in Virginia that have been passed over the years. This legislation would have gotten rid of a 24-hour waiting period for abortion. It would have made it easier to get an abortion outside of a hospital. But opponents chose to focus on the fact that this bill would have loosened restrictions on a particularly rare and particularly fraught type of abortion in the third trimester. You know, it it essentially makes it such that if there's a health risk to the mother, that she can get a third trimester abortion, whereas there used to be sort of a little bit stricter rules for when she could get one. It used to have to be signed off on by three doctors. Under this bill, it would be one. The delegate who is pushing this is Kathy Tran. She's relatively new to the Virginia House, elected in 2017, inspired to run by President Trump. We've got this video of her explaining the legislation. She was questioned by her fellow delegate, a Republican, and he asked her, would your bill essentially allow abortions up until birth? This guy really focuses on the visceral idea that a woman might decide to terminate a fetus that is theoretically viable outside the womb. Where it's obvious that a woman is about to give birth. She has physical signs that she is about to give birth. Would that still be a point at which she could request an abortion if she was so certified? She's dilating. Uh, Mr. Chairman, that would be a, you know, a decision that the doctor, the physician and the woman. I understand that. that I'm asking if your bill allows that. My bill would allow that. Yes. So she's on the floor of the House of Delegates, and you just see her, and she's talking to sort of a disembodied (laughs) male voice. And the voice is asking her all these questions, and she seems a little confused by the questions or a little like she can't answer a lot of them. She actually at some point is like, well, I'll cede the floor to this advocate to sort of answer some of the questions. And then the advocate can't answer the questions, right? If you'll give me some time, I can um, ask our physicians to provide you with a list of maladies that can lead to a woman having to have an abortion at the late stage of pregnancy. I do know that those cases exist. But you don't know what they are. Like I said, not a physician. I do not do you not have those specifics about the woman I have some specific- In some ways it's not surprising that she's surprised here because these are questions, especially the question about like could you get an abortion right up until birth? And, you know, at least from my reporting, it seems that this is such a vanishingly uncommon scenario um, that people were kind of confused about how to respond to it. Right, right. In some ways, it's like made to go viral. It's like someone who's getting up and saying something, talking about something that people really care about. And then she's stumbling a little bit. Yeah, I'm talking to you now, yeah. Delia. You, you don't have any specifics on that, obviously. No, I don't. I'm okay. Not Okay, well, we're talking about a lot of physician stuff here, and nobody appears to know the answer, and the doctors aren't here. So, um, you know. There's been concern, I think, on the right and among abortion opponents for a long time about this question of, like, very, very, very late abortion, the question of whether you could, in theory, get an abortion, like, right until birth. I mean— I talked to someone who is who is an opponent of abortion and who, you know, really does have concerns that although 
you know, maybe the situation is very uncommon. He's concerned that it could become more common if, you know, if abortion laws are are loosened in different places. On the flip side, then, there's not much evidence that the kinds of situations that are described in the video, that they really come up very much. I, for instance, it was hard for me to tell if the kind of situation that's described in the video has ever come up at all in the state of Virginia. Hmm. So this video gets out there. And then the governor is asked to respond to it. What happens then? Right. The governor, frankly, his comments were very confusing. He's asked in this radio interview, you know, what do you think about this bill? Can you respond to Kathy Tran's comments? So in this particular example, uh, if a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly uh, what would happen. Um, the infant would be delivered. Uh, the infant would be kept comfortable. Uh, the infant would be resuscitated if, if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. So, so I, think this I still really find the comments somewhat unclear uh, and somewhat again, confusing. And I think that was the reaction of a lot of people. And I think some people listening to what he said felt, oh, he's saying it would be legal in Virginia to euthanize a baby after it's born. Hmm. I mean, I'm wondering if you can do what the governor and Kathy Tran couldn't, which is sort of explain what a third trimester abortion actually is and and how it would work in these circumstances. Sure. So, I mean, a, a couple of things here. One thing that I think is important to reiterate is that the bill that Kathy Tran was sponsoring doesn't change the time limit at which you can get an abortion in Virginia. The change is a little nuanced, but I'll, I'll try to explain what it is. Basically, under current Virginia law, a person can get an abortion in the third trimester, if not getting one, if continuing with the pregnancy, would severely or irremediably, I believe, or substantively or irremediably impact her health. And she needs three doctors to sign off on that. Under this bill, it would remove the sort of substantially or irremediably language, and it would just say you can get an abortion if not doing so would impact your health, and you only need one doctor to sign off. So that's the change. You know, in the case of Virginia, this would be cases where the mother's health is is in danger. In New York, which recently passed a somewhat similar bill, um, there's a case that advocates talk about where a woman was undergoing cancer treatment. She had a genetic condition that caused her to get actually multiple types of cancer, and she was undergoing treatment. She was told by her doctor she couldn't become pregnant, but she did become pregnant. And then she didn't know she was pregnant for a long time because she was told that she couldn't become pregnant. And by the time she knew, uh, she was relatively far along, but the fetus was not viable in part because of her treatments. But then um, because of the law in, in her state at the time, she couldn't get an abortion and she ended up having to travel a really long distance to another state that would allow her to do so. She had to do a GoFundMe to pay thousands of dollars. Um, and so some of these laws, and we're seeing them around the country, um, for advocates, what they're saying is like, these are laws that are really there to help women in that kind of situation so that someone who's sick or someone who is carrying a fetus that's not viable so that that person doesn't have to travel across the country and, you know, maybe bankrupt themselves in order to end that pregnancy. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you brought up other states because Virginia Virginia is a good example of what's happening politically around the country right now when it comes to abortion, right? Yeah. So the Virginia bill is part of a bigger trend of bills like this, especially since 
2010, primarily around the country, we've seen a lot of bills to increase abortion restrictions. But now, in the last few years, we're starting to see more and more bills that would loosen the restrictions, especially very recently now that Kavanaugh is on the Supreme Court, there's the feeling that Roe v. Wade might be at risk. So abortion rights advocates around the country are getting behind these bills that would sort of at the state level, protect access to abortion in case it goes away at the federal level. Yeah, it's funny talking about this Virginia bill. I feel like I'm watching like two advancing armies, like getting closer and closer. <laughs> like you have the Supreme Court, which is which has gotten significantly more conservative just in the last year. And then you have state houses that are getting bluer and state legislators putting forward things to sort of counteract what's happening federally. And I just think it's really interesting. I mean, I don't know if you can tick through a few of these states. Like in New York, we just passed some laws that loosened restrictions on abortion. And then you looked at New Mexico, where they actually have an old law in the books that's not in effect anymore because of Roe versus Wade, but the Democrats are looking to get rid of it because what if Roe versus Wade is repealed. You're right. Part of it, some of it is the Supreme Court and some of it is also what happened in the midterms and what's sort of been happening in general in the country where state houses are getting bluer. And so it's not just when, you know, abortion rights advocates are getting behind these bills. It's not just that they see Roe v. Wade at risk. It's also that they see there might actually be support for this. Like, you know, for the first time in a long time, like maybe they would be able to pass bills that would actually roll back some old restrictions or that would codify some of some of the protections that are in Roe in case Roe goes away. For a long time, the abortion picture looked one way. Now, for the first time in a long time, we're starting to see the reverse, where we're seeing abortion rights advocates start to try to back bills that liberalize abortion law, and we're seeing abortion opponents try to push back. Anna North, thanks for telling me a little bit more about this. Thanks for having me. Anna North covers gender issues for Vox. And that's the show. What Next is hosted by me, Mary Harris, and produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, and Anna Martin. You know what I'm doing this weekend? I am leaving ratings and reviews for all my favorite shows on Apple Podcasts. You should do it too, but rate us first. That's right, rate us, because it helps people find the show. Happy Friday. Talk to you next week.